Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Thank God it's Friday. That's all I have to say. This is a good day, man. It was fun uh, getting to talk to Carlos. This is part two of, of our Crypto on Gaming series. The first was with Gods Unchained. This time it's with Satoshi's.games. We're bringing you both the ETH and the Bitcoin takes on gaming. Uh, and this is something that you only get here on POV Crypto. We talked to Carlos, who is the CEO of Satoshi's Games, and learned about how he is thinking about building a successful game company and utilizing Bitcoin to create an advantage over his competitors. David, what was your takes on this interview? Yeah, it was cool seeing that uh, both Gaza Unchained and uh, Satoshi's Games are following comparable value propositions. Um, whereas like, you can make money by playing the game. If you win, you make more money. If you lose, you make less money. And, and then there's also the issue of exploring uh, NFTs per game where the Gods Unchained definitely has gone down that route. That's uh, Gods Unchained's main value proposition. And Carlos of Satoshi's game is just kind of dabbling and exploring with it. So each game kind of definitely represents each community's uh, kind of values and, and ethos and each one is, is reflected in the game. So it was pretty interesting exploring, exploring that with Carlos. But before we get into that interview, uh, I want to talk about our newest sponsor, which is QuantStamp. And I'm actually really excited about uh, QuantStamp as a sponsor. So uh, if you guys don't know, QuantStamp is a smart contracting auditing firm. Uh, and they have vetted and put their stamp of approval on a number of different really important uh, DeFi projects, including RDI, Pool Together, and just the just recently announced Sablier. Uh, Expert auditors at QuantStamp, they identify vulnerabilities in the code and they work with their clients to, to make sure that they uh, are, are fixed and make sure that the code is secure before release. And so Christian, our, our resident ETH futter over here, constantly says that DeFi is a, a house of cards and every single day that that house of cards does not fall, we can thank QuantStamp for that and making sure that Christian's FUD remains FUD. So thank you, QuantSamp, for, for protecting DeFi and also sponsoring POV Crypto. Man, that's funny. QuantSamp, keep people's money safe. No one is rooting for anyone to lose any money. Y'all stay safe out there and personally have a lot of friends on the QuantSamp team. So you know who you are. Thank you for your support. Our second sponsor, eToro. You guys know how it is. eToro has been supporting crypto and Bitcoin content creation for a long time, almost as long as they have been supporting Bitcoin and crypto. They have been bringing US assets to the rest of the world. And they brought on crypto and Bitcoin very early on in 2013. And one of the first major financial institutions to adopt Bitcoin, just showing how far ahead eToro is. And then now they are bringing Bitcoin and crypto to the United States. They are yet another option in order to go from fiat to crypto, and they have a lot of cool stuff going on inside the application. When you log on, you get to not only buy and sell all of your favorite cryptos, including Bitcoin, but you can also chat with fellow traders. You can practice on, on a version of the application that gives you like $100,000 of fake money to just practice your trading on. Or you can go completely passive and with one click of the mouse, you can have a trader do all the trading for you, 
eToro is going to match every single trade the trader does and you get exposure to their strategy without having to do anything. So personally, I'm a sat stacker. I like to buy the dips and and buy on a regular basis. But if you want to do other strategies, eToro is a perfect place to do that. Go to eToro using link b.tc backslash eToro POV. That is b.tc backslash eToro POV. Make sure to check them out. Great company, great product. And make sure to check out this interview. Again, super excited to talk lightning and games. And without further ado, let's get into the interview with Carlos Rolden. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to POV Crypto. This time, we are here with Carlos Roldan, the CEO and co-founder of Satoshi's Games, a really awesome, cool gaming company that is optimizing for building on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Carlos, welcome to POV Crypto. Thanks for coming on. Hi. Hi, all. It's a pleasure to be here. Carlos, where are you uh, calling in from? What's that accent we hear? Yeah, that's Spain. Nice. Well, Carlos, would love to get the quick introduction of both you and Satoshi's Games. I found Satoshi's Games back one year and a half ago. Um, well, first, I'm a computer scientist, uh, graduated in Aberystwyth University in UK. And I started Satoshi's Games back when I was in my last year in uni, when I was doing my dissertation. Uh, Satoshi's Games is uh, a gaming platform where users can earn money, can earn Bitcoin playing games. And we are building games on top of Lightning Network on Bitcoin. So what does that actually mean to be building a game on top of Lightning? It means that when you are using rewards, when you are using penalties, those, those, those elements from the game doesn't affect the actual game score or the game balance. It affects directly and natively uh, the Lightning balance, which is the actual game balance. If somebody might be playing a game in the legacy game world and they'll be getting a score, what... Satoshi's games do is instead of having a score, that's a lightning balance. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's a good approximation to what I mean to say. So it's a financial game. It's a game of value. Yeah, game of value. Interesting, interesting. But not uh, uh, strictly separate from gambling or or integrated with gambling. I mean, you could do it from with using gambling options like a casino, but we are very far away from that because we are not focusing on that. We're actually building games that are skill-based. Okay, skill-based games that you can win or lose Satoshis. What, exactly. kinda, what, what are the games that I can go play right now? So currently live on satoshis.games, you have a few options. I mean, the most popular one is the Super Bro, which is basically a Super Mario replica that every coin in the game is a real Satoshi. And the actual challenge is like, if you actually make it to finish the game, you can withdraw your Satoshis to your wallet. However, if you actually die in the process because the NPCs are quite strong, or maybe you don't have enough skills, or maybe you make it not in time per level, you actually lose and have to start again. Or, and this is where the monetization and pricing takes place, you can buy additional lives, or you can buy a multiplier and in-game content that actually modify and maybe improves your game experience. Okay, so people like have to buy into the game and then they start the game at a loss, but then as they play the game, they earn more Satoshis and at some point they go positive, but if they die, they have to start back over. Is that generally the model? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the general model. However, every game is shaped differently according to the mechanics of the value. So not all of the games due to the nature of, of the game fits 
uh, this model, of course. So what's the balance like? Are people making more money? Or, uh, is Satoshi's Games kind of running at a loss? Or are you guys actually looking to generate revenue by winning your customers' money? Like, what's the balance there like? For this game, for this, for this website in, in, in specific, you mean? Or the actual company itself? Uh, both. Both. Uh, yeah, for this game in specific, it's quite challenging because there are cases where actual gamers uh, are good at it, and they, that's because they've been trained, trying and trying, and they've done it. And it's interesting because they they, they make it and they withdraw the satosis. Um, and there are others that actually jump onto more greedy options because they, they feel they can do it. Then they buy multipliers. They lost time, so they buy lives and they keep dying, and that's, <laughs> that's profitable. And in the sense that that is interesting. However. Uh, yeah, not actual company is, is, is having revenue, so we are making revenues uh, because our mainstream of revenues are not based on the Satoshi's.games product, it's based on Line 9 that you can already pre-order from the website, line9.io. Carlos, let's take a quick step back and like, why don't you give the listeners uh, like the overview of, you know, everything that is in kind of the Satoshi's.games portfolio because you, you're working on a bunch of different things, including uh, some of the games that you mentioned. So it's interesting because at the beginning, we were, we were building satoshis.games, which is like a mini clip Bitcoin platform where there are Bitcoin games. And regarding to this, we've been doing this, this, uh, we've been doing this for a year uh, just to test out if there was actually a market out there where we can actually gather metrics to actually do something bigger. And um, actually benchmark results, the benchmark, you know, sorry, the benchmark segment results were interesting because Mm, we could gather data from the actual uh, users playing satoshis.games uh, according to the demanded uh, game, the demanded uh, characteristic of what they were looking to looking for, for playing when they actually go and play a game. And that's why we came up with Light Night. So basically, in a short story, we've been, we did satoshis.games to actually test the market. And find out that there was market out there. And then we decided, based on that result, we then we, we jumped on something bigger and we decided to go for a specific game where we can allocate all of the resources or most of the resources to that game to create uh, a game that may overpass and overcome the, the, the gamer you know, expectations for, for this. And going back to the, to the question, we're building on, on we're building satoshi.games, that is a website, it's a web-based gaming platform. We are building on Light Night, and that's currently the two only products we are focusing right now. So what is the grand vision of satoshi.games? If you guys were like maximally successful and you guys had all the users and players you know, like that you wanted, where would you take satoshi.games? Like where, where's the vision of the company going? Yeah, so the vision of the company right now is providing a fair trade for not only for assets, uh, but actually for users. Currently the best games are profitable, like Fortnite or any other kind of game. They are making high profits by use, making a freemium game where you can buy assets. And that's cool, right? But they, those games doesn't allow you the opportunity to actually sell those assets. I mean, you can sell your account, but it's not the same. I mean, it's, yeah, and, you, and you cannot do it through the, through the actual game either. You have to go to a third party. So it's interesting that this outperforms very well in the market, but it's not fair for the gamers. So if Satoshi's game succeeds, it's basically because of this, basically because it's giving the, the right to, as well as you can buy in-game assets, you can sell 
those assets. And as well, you can sell those assets, you can actually cash out the profits using Lightning. And no matter if those profits are 0.001 cent or $300, because of the infrastructure provider of Lightning Network, lets you do it that, you know, in the same fair way. So, so that, that would be the case if, if we succeed, because we can, that's because the actual market and the, and, the, and the users find out that's more fair for them, that's better gaming experience, and you know. Carlos, let's, so you kind of described Satoshi's.games, the, the web-based website, and now, like you mentioned, you are putting all your resources into building this kind of full-featured game, Light Night. Can you kind of dive into what is Light Night and uh, you know, how you guys are using Lightning to both create um, payments, real payments, but also um, you know, in-game items that are kind of like tangible, uh, non-fungible items? Yeah, so basically, Light Night is a multiplayer battle royale game, but with a Bitcoin mode that rewards winners on top of, of a very low-poly cartoon style where where attracts a vast majority of the gaming segment, not only uh, gamers that they are not uh, young. It, it brings a new level of interaction between players because now you have different cases where you can monetize in a different level uh, since game assets to gaming experiences. And, you know, we've been doing this in Satoshi.games and we can, I can point you to references of what game assets you can buy or what gaming experience you can monetize uh, because that's what we've been doing, like a, you know, proof of concept or, or very pilot or reckless states at, at Satoshi.games. But now we want to do it at a mainstream level with more professional resources, more, more time to de- de- deliver a quality, a high quality product. Um, and that's what it is. Basically, you can play Lightning, you can earn Bitcoin, you can start stacking sats by playing on competitive mode. You can get assets, sell those assets. And going back now to the second part of the question regarding to the NFTs, the actual assets that we were talking, it's very interesting because the game itself has two modes, which the first mode is like the actual casual way where you can buy items in the store and then you can sell those items. But when you play on that casual game, it's like, it's like Fortnite. So you play, you came with your skins, you had, you know, your good, good cosmetics. No matter if you die or if you win, because you're going to, at the end of the game, you're going to keep those assets and they are, you know, they are yours. They are, they, they are in your account. However, if you play in the esports, that's what that's what interesting and attractive of the game starts to appear. Because first, there is a, li- there is a way limited and smaller supply. So there are a maximum of, you know, around roughly 20 players. That's around four squads. But if you die, your skins drop to the ground. And this brings to strategic decisions because you have, if, if someone grabs that loot and it's a good skin, a good cosmetic, everyone has a limited supply, a, a limited capacity in the backpack. So you have to take the decision whether if you grab that loot and then you make it to win the Battle Royale, now you have that item in your account and then you can sell it. Now, if you don't grab it and that item stays there on the ground and no one pick it up, that actual item is lost, reducing the total supply of that item and bringing more rarity, bringing, more, bringing less supply, creating a higher, uh, if there is demand, a higher price for that item because now there is less amount of that item. And this is cool. This is cool because it brings more, more, more competitive way of thinking, more strategy into the actual uh, shooting game. Because let's put the case where you are playing this game 
and you kill one guy with like very cool hats. So you go there and maybe, you know, you find that guy has a cool hat. You have maybe two spots, one spot. You have a limited spots in your backpack. So maybe he has a, a really good weapon, a, 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 an actual really good weapon that can, can bring you, can deliver you, you know, can leverage your, your possibilities to win the game because that's a better gun. Let's say you have a, I use a pistol. So you have to take these strategic decisions to choose what loot, you know, to pick up from other player, either ammo or this good weapon or that valuable asset in the game. And you have to take this decision in a matter of seconds while you are in a battle royale where people are around you. You have to be quick. You have to take it, you know, uh, professionally the, the decision because that item may cost X and it's better to have X value or revenues from the match. But you cannot only you, you can only have it if you actually win it. So it's it's decision based as well. This is strategy, not decision based. Sorry. So you know this may happen in a matter of seconds. And while enemies approximate you on the battlefield, so it's kind of challenging from that sense. So just to break this down a little bit, kind of what I've gathered from checking out the website and what you described, it's kind of like Fortnite style game, um, but there is essentially a like risk on mode. And the risk on mode has actual Satoshis at stake, as well as all of the items that you could have purchased, like your skins, hats, guns, whatever. All of those items, essentially, if you're they're on you and you're playing the game, they're at risk. And if you die, they get dropped and people can pick them up. And if no one picks them up, then um, they're actually burnt and they're lost from the game. Ultimately, all of these items are centralized. They're managed by your company but you allow people to monetize those items and actually sell them for Bitcoin. So they become more liquid to the real world. You know, if you have a rare skin in Fortnite right now, you know, you can't take it out. You can't sell it for Bitcoin and eventually turn that into USD. If that's what you ultimately want, you know, you're kind of stuck. Is, is that a fair description? So first you have these two modes, the ones you put them at risk, which are the, the, the sports mode, the competitive mode, or the one where you you never put them at risk. So maybe you're a casual player. So you, you maybe you game, you, you play, Casual, you buy assets just to show off your assets on, on the casual and you, you don't have to risk anything because you're not going to earn anything that a great uh, gaming experience. Okay. Within this casual mode, before jumping into this post mode, you have uh, like another sub modes, which are you can play solo, you can play duos, or you can play squads. And you can play events. These events are like casual events that happen in the game, in the battlefield, where maybe there is an Easter egg in a map and then you have to go there uh, and find it. Uh, and then that rewards you with satoshis, like free satoshis. Uh, obviously, this is not going to be, you know, a way to make you of a living. This is going to be, from the person's perspective, it's going to be a, a marketing purpose. For the user perspective, it's going to be a way to have some satoshis by playing a game that sometimes runs event and that's cool. So maybe you find a, a, a bank and you, you have to destroy it and then that gives you satoshis or maybe you have to find a... One, one more player is, is infected and, and infects other players and the one who is the last infected gets, you know, uh, a few satoshis per player. So, so, so that's for incentivizing the actual game and as well for marketing purposes, of course. Now, the esports. Mm, the esports, you go there because you want to grab assets that then you want to sell off and make profits out of that assets. While doing that, you put yourself uh, as a risk, you put your, your assets you were on as a collateral. And on the matchmaking process, it links you with other players that they have A, 
your same range, so they're in the same skill level as you, and B, they are, they're wearing the same value in, in, in assets as you, so there is a fair play. Um, those assets initially are going to be stored in a centralized database, of course, um, but you know, we are open, and we are actually internally debating and thinking about making NFTs, whether it makes sense, whether it doesn't make sense, because I don't want to make the classical blockchain game where it's 90% blockchain, 10% game experience, and that sucks. Because that happened in most of the blockchain games. I'm not saying all of them, but most of them, where you have all of those NFTs, which are cool, you know, they are, they are game assets, that's right. But maybe you don't have a good soundtrack, you don't have a good animation, you don't have a good game mechanics, you don't have actually graphics, you don't have design. So, so you are missing points. And here, what I mean to emphasize is that the actual Bitcoin integration is as important as the good soundtrack, as the, as the good game design, as the art, as the actual mechanics, as the actual uh, strategy of, 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 of creating addiction to the game, of creating a, a good experience. So it's, it's as important as those elements. So, so they want to make, boom, all blockchain. I have the, the Bitcoin pack, you know, I have the blockchain pack there. Here, we, if we can tokenize, we're gonna tokenize. If we, if we have this blockchain base, we're gonna have it. Uh, if I want to certify uh, game assets, uh, I'm gonna make even you know uh, blockchain certification. No, I mean if it's not required, if it's not required for the potential customer, it's not gonna be implemented just because it's flashy or, or it's good marketing. Uh, saying hey, we got NFTs. So so we want to create a, an amazing gaming experience that on board, no coiners, uh, agnostic gamers into Bitcoin in a format of a game. Now this potential segment. They don't care if a game asset is stored in a distributed database, you know, computing, or, 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 or if it's not. They, they care about the game. Now, if you may give them an opportunity to have some satosis rewards and everything, then they, okay, they, they're still skeptical and agnostic because maybe it's a field that they are not aware of. But if you're starting to say uh, this game grants you with a minimum level of expertise for managing tokens, maybe that game is not the adequate game for onboarding no coiners into the Bitcoin adoption because then it requires you a level of knowledge about this uh, interaction with the game that they are not used to it because they're used to do something simpler. So when it comes to issuing these NFTs, which represent um, items in, in the game, how, how, does, uh, how would you go about doing that? Like where are these NFTs actually located? So well, at the beginning, as I say, there would not be NFTs. Is something that we like to consider, but if, we, if, I, if I will have to choose where our NFTs will be located, it will be, uh, if we can make it, we'll make it on RGB. Uh, however, uh, it's, you know, it's quite early to do so uh, for production. Mm, however, we have time, so I have so much positive thoughts about by the time of the launch, but if we can't, then we'll go for liquid. Liquid. Okay, so these they were just represent yeah, yeah, tokens yeah. on liquid. I mean, it's it's edition of a skin that comes then, with a limited amount of types. It will represent a different token, uh, of course. And so the the benefit of having a token on on liquid that or tokens on liquid that represent um, things in the game is that it allows users to do with those tokens as they see fit outside of your central database. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. But what's the point if now my game servers are, are, are kind of. you know, they are destroyed because of a natural disaster. So what are you going to do with those tokens in your wallet? You, you cannot do that. You will have to, yeah. Well, yeah. So maybe the, the idea is 
uh, generating a marketplace. And so like what, what we've seen with Gauze Unchained is that you can use the, their Gauze Unchained token cards only in their game, which runs on their centralized database. But uh, the community has produced these like third-party marketplaces and third-party forums for people to be able to you know, transact their tokens between each other. And so it sounds like that's what you guys are doing, what could be doing with Liquid. Yeah, in case, in, I mean, yeah, the Liquid RGB comments that I did before, that's in the case that we will be approaching that way. Uh, in, in that case, in that case, that's what I would do. Now, it's super important to have, I mean, what's the purpose of that? I mean, if that's for marketing or, or for raising a little bit of, of, of revenues so we can make more resources, that's cool because yeah, we have NFTs, we are all powered now, that's cool, we make some noise and then we use that noise in our benefit. But if it's for a good gaming experience, that's where the actual skepticism is uh, is taking place from my side because um, at some point in some games, that doesn't make sense. I mean, at some others, it does. I guess it really depends on the design of the game and, and how much those items are actually worth. So like if you, like if you were... If they're just cosmetics for some Super Mario game, that's one thing. But if they are like World of Warcraft swords and armor, that's that's another thing because those things have gone on the market for thousands and thousands of dollars. So if that's it. no, no, yeah, but still, if the game servers of Warcraft they die, then you end up with a few tokens that you have a marketplace without utility right. to share that, and it's like a sure. like a bit like, you know like a shitcoin casino where there are so many. So many tokens without value used use with, uh, with, with promises of, of mm-hmm. value. Because you cannot use them in the game because the possibility to, to not use them is possible because if we centralize the actual game where it unifies the interactivity of that asset to that game, then the, the, there is a central point of risk of failure. Something that kind of popped in my head is the mm-hmm. NFT gaming model, it might only really make sense for card games. Because a card game, like anyone can spin up their own version of like a server to host the card game. So maybe for Gods Unchained, maybe that's like one of the very few examples where it does work. Because if it's any other type of game, unless other people are trying to integrate that item into their game as well, like you're kind of dependent on that game server being up and like those developers keeping it up. Like, do you, can you think of like other game formats, David or Carlos, that, it really are kind of independent of the the company making it happen. If you make connections and collaborations with other games where you can exchange that asset and that asset has a utility on a different game, no matter if it's card-based, it, it, it can work perfectly. Because then you are reducing the risk of failure to one central point of, of, of control, which is that specific game. So maybe you can have an asset that works on multiple games. And that, that can be, that can be an, an example that, for example, I would be happy to do if the situation is, is presented. So you can have my you can have my, my sword and I can play with that in my game. But then you can play that sword is another card on, on chain gods and you can play there and then you can play that sword on on Neon District. So you can play and it has super value because then you can play that that asset is super is super useful. Yeah. I don't. I don't think the idea with Gods Unchained is like to create this like immutable game that will always be available to play. It's more about putting the assets into the hands of the owners and and allowing them to buy and sell them as they see fit, which is unlike what Blizzard is doing, where everything is just inside of their gated um, 
database and you can't do anything with and so it's not really about having these tokens that are per, like um that have value um uh, no matter what but they have they have functioning inside of the game and outside of the game whereas like the traditional system only has functioning inside the game so it's about allowing the tokens to actually leave the game and do things elsewhere because of the existence of the game itself. No, no, yeah, yeah, I highly agree. And so there's been a decent amount of communication about uh, the whole idea with ass- gaming at assets in games and interoperability between ass- assets and games. And I think that's a really interesting idea, but I don't see the incentives actually being there because like, if you're a game developer and you have all these assets that, you, that users and players can collect after you know, grinding through the game and playing hard and, and you know, committing them their time. Well, then if you are another game developer with a second game and you just allow all those assets to come into, you, into your game, you're allowing people to like kind of skip their way into having really valuable assets that they never played the game for. So I don't really see how that kind of alignment will actually play out because I don't see the incentives for the game developers to actually be there. Yeah, it depends on the asset functionality. If we're talking about they're sharing a gun and three games use the same asset, the same gun for the same purpose, which is, you know, know, creating damage on players, then it may be the case, but maybe it doesn't make... you know, it doesn't make sense for, for, for assets that they don't serve the same functionality in one game or other. If there's two games and the one token can go in between these two games, like who determines what each token does inside of each game? Like one could be a super mythic piece of armor that does all these buffs. And then in the other game, it could be like a broken sword. Like that's, it's, it's, all, it's all ultimately going to come down to the centralized control of the game developers. And so I think that with, with, these game, with these game developers that are using crypto digital assets, uh, I think it's always going to come down to like, it's really up to the developers no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And the actual decision of who developer decides what is, is, is also important because maybe you create an asset to serve your game exclusively and then you find yourself in a situation where you maybe not do that. You maybe also make it for serving other games. So you also have to take that into account before creating that asset. Carlos, kind of want to pivot this conversation back to Lightning. You guys are some of the first people to really try to bring a mass appeal to outsiders to get onto Lightning. Like, what do you like? Why? Where do you see the potential in Lightning, and how like how do you think Lightning is going to start becoming part of games in general? I think Lightning brings another. It brings a wave of of monetization that we've never seen before. I mean, the fact you can, for asset trading, for example, is perfect. I mean, the, the fact you can trade an asset within the game, well, in the game, all of it are assets. So you have assets, and I'm, I'm talking about assets, they can be from sounds to actual visual aspects, visual cosmetics aspects of the game. And the, those visual aspects, cosmetics that you want to hold them or you want to, to use them in your benefit within the game, is super interesting the fact you can trade those assets using a liquid payment that is not only extremely scalable, but it also can bring you a super fair trade, no matter the cost of that asset. So that, that, that's super useful. I mean, the fact that my asset can cost 0.0001 and your asset costs three or 300, if we can operate the same trade at the same level of advantages, is is, 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 is is something we've never seen before in the NFT's world. I mean, because 
because you, you cannot do that in other in other platform that maybe the transaction fee might be a friction that affects directly the recipient cost. Do you think that Lightning is going to like be adopted by major game developers or is it too far away still? It's a challenge to say that is. I mean, if I say that right now is good moment to say, yeah, it's going to work right now. We can jump on board. You can jump on board. You know, game developers. That is not going to be that case in the, in the long term because I think I think it's, it's a medium between one pole, you know, between one side and the other. Because first, you have to tell them what what is this for, and you have to put practical cases. And in our case, we've we've, we've done it before. We did like a Bitcoin and Lightning SDK to, in, to integrate Lightning for for our gaming purposes. And then we've been going through other game developers in case they want to use it, so they want to have benefits as well as we did in Satoshi's games and. And they, they, they are free to use it. So so it's interesting as well for us so they can give us feedback. But the, most of the feedback that I have from these conversations and operations are that they first don't, are not really motivated because they cannot foresee the actual incentives on in doing so. And secondly, it may be so complicated to actually do a complete replacement of their game coin to the actual Bitcoin because they are not ready yet to foresee the potential. Mm, however, it's good, and I saw this personally. Uh, if you offer them like a gradual, a gradual way to do to do so, if you tell them, okay, with Lightning you can do this, 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 and all of these uh, things you can do, but first let's start by the most basic thing. Let's start by using Lightning, not in the actual in-game experience, but let's start to use it as a monetization experience. So instead of you give them uh, a magical chest every time they connect once per day, you can give them five satoshis once per day. And maybe if that brings more traction, if that in, makes more user acquisition, if that brings, if that means more, more, you know, key points, improvements, better performance, better, more attractive metrics, then that's an incentive to actually, you know, use all of the functionalities that Lightning can bring to your game and improve uh, your advantages and everything itself. But it's better to start by something, uh, you know, small and, and, and see results if you have them then implement all of them in, in the short term. I think this is something that crypto uniquely enables as a, as a technology because I think the intersection between like um, young studio gaming companies that you know don't have the same kind of capital that like Blizzard or you know Activision has or whatever it's a it's an interesting way to onboard new users just with saying like hey if you play our game you can win money and uh, the the microtransaction abilities of the of the lightning lightning network kind of is a huge pull into for people to come in and be like this is a unique game it kind of looks like all the other internet games out there but with this one like you win money and and you can get it delivered to you instantly and you don't have to sign up for paypal to do that uh, i think that's a pretty interesting way to incentivize people to come in and, and play your game just by paying them money if lightning were to get adopted via gaming what would that look like would it look like indie game developers start picking it up first and start using it for marketing purposes? Like, I guess, like, what are the main benefits and, you know, how do you see that evolving? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, you described very well the question as an answer. I mean, the best way will be to actually incentivize the indie developers so they can bring some little attraction from their communities to adopt this technology as a standard to have incentives from the game to outside. The important element now is not that that will happen 
frictionless, the important element is like how you incentivize the indie game developers to actually adopt this technology. I've been trying to figure it out during so long, but I even see the only way is doing the same as everyone is doing to make them implement the SDKs. It's like, hey, let's run for a game hackathon where you implement this game for a thematic, you know, with this theme, and you win X if you implement this technology that at the end is a, is a win-win because I'm giving you the chance to win something that is going to let your gamers to win something else. And I would say that. I would say like that. I mean, I think as a mainstream adoption, uh, there has to be a utility. It has to be a killer application. I mean, I'm not saying that money itself is not a killer application because I'm a high believer that, that the only problem is like it may be a matter of time, but it doesn't aim to the, to the majority of mindset that this is, you know, is your money, is your free is your free money, you don't depend on banks. Okay, that's cool, but people are not that sensitive at the moment, sadly. I mean, not even the half percent of the, of the world. But, but maybe there are something else that some applications that you can put, you know, Bitcoin there on, the, on, the, on their cover, like, like, hey, get money easily uh, in the same way that you do it in playing a game, but now this game can be exported of the game. Hey, magic money, right? So something like that, in the sense that maybe the killer app it's, it's, I mean, it's sad that I don't see that now that the killer app is, is money, it's finance, it's your own finance, it's your own bank. That's not the killer app. But I may see that there may be a case where the killer app could be gaming, where all of these guys that they play games, it becomes a standard and it actually, it actually unifies them to, actually to, to withdraw money easily from the game. And it's, it can become the potential killer app, not only because most of them, they represent a young segment of the, of the population, which they may be normally, you know, agile with technologies, is that they are already used to doing to, to using this tech, and not Bitcoin specifically, but just transacting. I mean, they they play games, and in that game, within that game, they use that game to to, to earn score, to buy items in the in the in the score, to sell balance from their game to another player. So so they already are using to this transaction flow of how to use Bitcoin, and. You only need to replace the actual currency, connect it to the Bitcoin network, and then just tell them a few other rules that they can do, such as withdraw, that they are maybe not used to withdraw from their game. Um, probably something else about, you know, uh, Bitcoin standards. But but I see the potential on, on this, on, on gaming, answering the question, because First, uh, it improves uh, the gaming experience. Secondly, they are used to that. They are used to doing this, this, this practice of sending and receiving balance among users and, and that. Uh, so, Carlos, I think that you know, it's, it's been pretty interesting to kind of hear your take on how to use this technology and really focusing in on usability rather than turning it into some sort of investable asset. I thought that that was a pretty big distinction from when we were talking to Gods Unchained. In general, though, I, I do think that there's a lot of potential for people to monetize their games better. You know, I think that's really where it is. Like Bitcoin is internet money that's permissionable and liquid. And like you're seeing this with the casinos, like how it unified all the like all the gaming casinos. They're all using Bitcoin to withdraw. You're seeing this with kind of these these gift cards too, right? Or these points back programs. First, it was like dollar-denominated points-back program. And now there's Bitcoin-denominated points-back program. And the Bitcoin is it's almost better because it's permissionless. Um, so I'm excited to see 
you know, games like yours start taking advantage of these features of Bitcoin as well. Appreciate your time, Carlos, and kind of explaining your guys' take on how to use this technology in gaming. Where can people find you and who do you want to hear from? Yeah, so people can find me on Twitter if they find Whitey Hot. You can find the game on, on it's called Light Night Game on Twitter. And then, you know, it's, it's you, you can- How do you spell it? Light Night is L-I, like lightning. And then night is N-I-T-L-I-G-H-T-N-I-T-E.io. Nice. So, so yeah, that's, that's where you can buy it. Um, and you can also find it on Twitter. And we usually run some promos with, with guys in the space where, where you can get exclusive skins if you buy the game from some certain wallets. Awesome, Carlos. Thank you for coming on and, and telling us all about uh, Satoshi's games. Really appreciate your time. You guys can follow the pod at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless Date, both on Twitter and on Medium. Christian? Yep, you can find me at CK underscore Snarks. Make sure to give us five-star reviews and make sure to tune into the other half of our gaming special, which was with Gods Unchained. So you get both the Ethereum and the Bitcoin take on how this tech, how cryptocurrencies are going to be used in gaming. Thanks for listening, everyone. Peace. Will you just see?